the future of photography. And here we are again with another episode of the future of photography. And uh, we are the whole gang again. Everyone is here. We have a Adrian. Hello. <laughs> Hey, how you doing? Jeremiah, hello. And where would we be? And Imar, hello. Hello. <laughs> I'm not asking anyone how they're doing. We already talked about this pre-show. We don't need to repeat any of that. Uh, so, um, yeah, the future of photography. Um, no, no bespoke cameras anymore. Um, I think we've all... Oh yeah, I have one up my sleeve for you know in a few weeks. Don't you know? I just you know, it's a hint. It's extremely niche. Okay, okay, okay. But <laughs> not today. Stuff. Not today. Not today. Not, not even today. A hint. Um, today we want to talk a bit about education, about what's um, well, what's happening in photo education, especially in these times um, that we can't really do a lot of face face to face or let's say in person education um i don't know what it's like in in your countries but here in germany the first time i got kind of serious a serious brush with photography was uh, in high school i was 11 maybe and we started we had a we had a, a voluntary kind of photo club thing and at school And we had one teacher who offered that in the afternoon once a week. And it was this big, big dark room. And uh, I think 10 of us out of a thousand maybe were interested enough to spend a couple of hours <laughs> per week in a, in a, in a, in a voluntary class and uh, learn about how to develop photos and how to make photograms and how to uh, enlarge a negative um but that, that's that was entirely voluntary is there anything like that in places like your german kids many german kids who are now into photography had that at as their start oh, we had that certainly when i went to high school there was camera clubs and photographic you know clubs that people mm -hmm. got together and and learned i didn't <laughs> i didn't participate at all i was much too into smoking hash and <laughs> demonstrating against the at war 11? but um <laughs> but, but but um uh later on uh later on I, i did get interested in photography because i suppose because my father uh, was a photographer um, uh, it, it was kind of a natural or normal thing and also natural and normal for me to rebel against him and have mm -hmm. nothing to do with photography for a while. Yeah. So, so for, for you, this is, yeah, this is more from a family point of view. Adrian, did, what was your first brush education wise with photography? Education wise, certainly wasn't at school. Uh, yeah. We didn't really have photography at school. Uh -oh. um, so, um, but but I uh, both my, my my dad and and my grandfather actually very keen photographers, yeah, keen hobbyist photographers. So there was always stuff going on. I I remember, oh I don't know, we'd go and visit my grandparents and my and my granddad would have set up you know with a with a flash somewhere and he'd take photographs for his grandchildren and things like that and were you, but, were but, you annoyed by that no huh? no no it was just part of the scenery you know it was uh -huh. just something that went on um and uh it was all good uh but educationally i th 
I, I, I don't want to put anybody out yeah, who may have helped me along the way, but I think mostly I'm self-educated when it comes to photography, yeah. Yeah, mostly from, from the internet and from just trial and error. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have to agree with Adrian and say that definitely not in high school type age. It was after that and it was um, through an art course mm-hmm. that I educationally first discovered it. Mm-hmm. Um, before that... Um, we had a camera, um, we had several cameras and kind of family pictures were a thing, but um, I, I never really kind of grabbed the camera from anyone's hands, but then again, they were kind of point and shoot basic type things that didn't really, you know, appeal to me. I right. was more into drawing, stuff like that yeah. when I was small. It's funny... You know, uh, when I think, how did I learn photography? And when I say photography, I mean capturing a picture, developing the film, uh, and printing the photograph. That, that to me, was a unified thing. And I learned from books. Uh, There was here in the U.S. something called Time Life Books. They were absolutely fantastic. They, they came, a lot of the um, photographs of Life magazine, which were highly influential to a lot of us growing up in that period in terms of photojournalism and uh, big format magazine. And then um, and Time magazine, which was obviously um, more um, in terms of type. They they'd put out these specialty uh, editions, uh, which you subscribe to. And uh, we had this in in our house. I suppose my father had collected them. And I literally, I I was in a kind of a lockdown um, for about a month uh, when I went to university first year. And um, uh, this is during the summer. And I took all these books with me. And I studied, I bought an enlarger, I bought a camera, uh, chemicals, and I never went out similar. Mm-hmm. And I, I literally, page by page, and making the mistakes, and I, I, I can remember to this day, the very first time I loaded a 35-millimeter cassette into a developing tank, and I went into a closet, and I closed the door, and I started to fumble around with it, and oh, it was very frustrating. And so, over the course of a few minutes, I saw, like, oh, now I can see it. Right? So, so, <laughs> so I think I can summarize that we're all kind of self-taught, because after this initial brush with uh, voluntary education at, 11, at the age of 11, um, I haven't had any formal education either. So I've been learning from books and magazines and uh, whatever was available to me. An uncle of mine had uh, was a avid photographer and he had a whole he gave me a whole stack of like uh, monthly photo magazines with tech in there and photo discussions in there and stuff and uh, that really kept me going. But what I see to and and then of course, I mean, when we look at person in-person education today, we, we, we're looking at college classes, we're looking at universities. Um, the the place that really impressed me uh, a couple of years ago was uh, the Rochester Institute of Technology. They have a big photo school with um, with a with a, a an art photography part and a scientific photography part, and they have like really interesting stuff going on there. And then there's private photo schools, and then of course. Um, one area where I um, used to used to 
um, un until we started with our uh, un until we had the virus uh, I used to make money with photo workshops in, in person <laughs> here here where I live in our house we have a big place um, but also on photo tours with uh, lots of travel and stuff and uh, I found that that was a very good way for people to learn like you have someone there that you can really just ask you know um yeah i found that as a good way to you know having having that one-to-one -one kind of thing or or, or even one-to-many to be honest um i have done that done that uh a few times you know booked booked myself into workshops you know essentially mm -hmm. um and uh and i've always found that um uh, an interesting way to learn right um and uh funnily enough actually one of the, the the big thing that i was talking about earlier this year we of course being the the photography show that we have here uh in the uk they've just announced this week that they're going to do that virtually uh this year oh i'm interested so that, in how so that's that going whole go. show yes how, how quite yeah. how they sell you stuff over that i don't quite know because you can't <laughs> touch it and play with well, it and stuff uh, like that but uh, there's nothing quite like a kind of a one-to-one -one experience like that that kind of mentorship almost is you know rather than straight teaching it's a lovely mm -hmm. it's a lovely experience I mean, and some of that some of that learning yourself from books and magazines and things has been has been replaced now i think with of, of course youtube um, which is online, which is free. So um, good luck finding the good stuff, though. It's mm -hmm. kind of tough. There's a <laughs> Indeed, lot of, yes. <laughs> of really bad stuff out there. Um, there's online free stuff in in the form of webinars, but that's usually someone trying to sell you something. Um, I so I've found that that you know to that there, I think if you really drill down, like there's a few. Um, few teachers online that that are more subscription models like Flurn is one yeah. uh, Kelby is another um, there's a few others that I'm probably overlooking maybe Linda uh, well, LYND but but if you're looking for something specific yeah in terms of learning something that's I think it has value I mean that that what you just mentioned is is also online but that's mainly video based and mainly paid mm. so we're looking at lynda.com we're looking at uh, masterclass.com yeah, and others like yeah, that which is paid. which is pre-produced videos so that there's no interactivity there usually that's right and, and, and I think that's a real problem and, um, and I I I, I mean my, my personal philosophy is the the, the workshop is the best thing you can have because it is it is you're there and you can ask and you can can interrupt you can ask questions and uh can yeah. you can really get to the point very quickly you can learn a lot uh, of things in a very short time i could not agree more i think the frustration and having um taken the opportunity to learn some rather sophisticated uh uh, technologies in this kind of current lockdown uh, online because I couldn't find a single person who could really take me through what my intention was in learning the specific um, software or 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 skill. Um, I got a lot of it. Maybe fifty percent of it was very very good in terms of online, uh, but there was so many specific questions that I had to spend literally several hours to mm. find the right answer, which I felt was very frustrating. That, if I had, isn't that the opportunity saying, to interact? Isn't that great. saying when you have the first eighty percent, then uh, you're almost there, and then the only thing you have to do is the second eighty percent? 
<laughs> yeah, it's the old 10,000 hours, right? Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so so for, for me, of course, because my, my um, yeah, part of a, a good part of my income depends on teaching, um, I've looked at a lot of different things. And uh, there was this there was this project in the back of my mind to move some of that online for years i wanted to do this but of course uh, too much work so it always got pushed uh, on the back burner and it never really happened and now i finally had the excuse to do something Af after spending about a month uh, being not in the mood to do anything properly and then <laughs> i i started thinking about how what are they what's there and i looked around and i try to find a lot of the puzzle pieces and um, I'm happy to say I have something now. <laughs> it, it just mm -hmm. it just took me about a month to uh, cobble everything together. And that was really a lot of <laughs> looking around, finding puzzle pieces, um, answering detailed questions that, yes, sometimes took several hours to figure out. But um, I, um, I've, I have put together a platform now that is live, online, interactive workshops. And... Um, that was that was a, a really interesting adventure to get there because, um, and I think I want to talk here about the the the, te the technologies behind it and the things that I used to put this together because, um, that's kind of uh, it's probably interesting to people. It's kind, it's kind of fun, yeah. <laughs> it is tricky. It is tricky because I mean, we, uh, so much of <clears throat> of what we we do at the moment, you know, is dependent upon the internet for communications, for yes. voice, and for video, and for things like that. But so much of it is just uh, of very average uh, quality, um, you know, uh, and it's very it's very difficult to find something where you can have a high quality experience. And being somebody who's interested in in getting those visuals right, I find that a little bit frustrating. At uh, times, isn't you know? isn't it isn't it kind of disappointing? You have you have a photographer in front of a video camera in front of a webcam and he looks like nothing because they 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 know how to light and they know how to compose when they shoot pictures but then when they try to shoot a video of themselves they just forget what light is and what composition is i've seen this so often there are so many of those i mean I, as, as somebody who spends a reasonable amount of time watching youtube you know just five minutes here five minutes there often but it's yeah it's i see a, i see a lot of different stuff and there are very very few photographers yeah. that, that light their youtube channel as well <laughs> so so let's let's do a quick rundown of the things that i've uh, thrown together well thrown is is more like hopefully not no no it's <laughs> it's, it's, it's more like um fit Placed. into each other Placed. well it's it's an integration job you know that's uh it's integrating uh, different so in integration is 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 a whole can of worms i mean I, I i've worked around large integration projects for for much of my career yeah and yes. um integration is hard <laughs> I know. <laughs> and I know. Yes, all you have to do is have a uh, Allen key that works on metric. <laughs> yes, <laughs> trying to undo a <laughs> and I, and I've, and I've quarter come, inch, and I've come across similar things here. So, so before we continue, the platform is called Photo Sensei. Um, it's at sensei.photo. Sensei, like the Japanese word for teacher, and. Um, so, of course, what do you need? You need a website. That's kind of the first big puzzle piece. And luckily, that is not too hard to do these days. There are tools out there. There are uh, web 
uh, frameworks out there. There's uh, things that help you make this possible. And uh, so that's kind of the easy part. If you look okay, at is that a, that's a website for you, is it? That's where you host all of this stuff, is it? Well, that, that's what people see. That's that's the front yeah. end. That's that's where the marketing, where the selling <laughs> happens. You know, that gives an overview of what the system can do, what uh, kind of topics uh, I can cover. Um, I'm I'm the only person on that thing right now, um, and you can book time with me. So you you could book like a forty five minute session with a click of a mouse. And a credit card. So um, this all uh, is integrated, but I'm looking at adding some more photographers. So I want to try to cover more topics. I want to try to cover more time zones, make this more accessible to people. Um, but yeah, the website is kind of, uh, of course, obviously you need a, a website for something like this. Um, but then you will also need a classroom of sorts right you need to a place mm-hmm. where you meet with the others where you get to talk and see uh, talk with and see the others and um we're recording this episode here in audio but we also have like a little facetime thing open so we can see each other we're not recording that but at least we have a a, a visual so uh we can see if someone starts yawning or uh, <laughs> it's really it's, it's really important for the visual cues are so much about uh, uh so much a part of how oh, yes. humans and, communicate so and and i have looked at at, at different things i mean there's uh, there's zoom of course um but that doesn't really lend itself to teaching i did a, a zoom yoga class the other day yeah. for the first time <laughs> but but zoom, zoom if, strange. If, if, if you know you know if if you look at a, a typical classroom, what would you want? You would want a place where you can maybe present something, like show a slide or photos mm. to discuss. You might want a, a little feature to 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 draw on something, like a whiteboard thing, so you can show someone with an arrow in a picture, this is where I would change the exposure and this is how I would compose mm. it and I would move this yeah. over here and that kind of stuff. Um so that Share interactive screen. component, yeah. screen Share sharing screen. Is, is essential. Essential, yeah. Um, mm. If depending on what you want to teach, you need maybe a second camera that is mobile, so you can walk somewhere and show someone something without dragging your webcam there. So um, it needs the ability to integrate a second camera in form of maybe a smartphone or something. So. Um, Lots of different things. And I've looked at, at uh, Zoom, didn't cut it for me. I've looked at Skype, that didn't really cut it for me. And uh, I looked at Jitsi, which is an open source video platform. But again, this didn't have any of those features. And then I ran into um, Big Blue Button, which Big is... Big Blue Button? Big Blue Button, one word. And it is <laughs> an it is open source but it is a classroom system. It's made for a cl- being a classroom. It it is. Um, it allows you to to have. I the system I have now is like twenty people in a room is no problem at all. They can all see. They can all um, get a presentation of. Uh, what are you What are you showing me there? Big Jeremiah. blue button. Engage. Yeah, Engage that's... your online student. Yep, and it's I know. I knew about this from a school, someone uh, that I know, their kids are in school and they're using that system with a full classroom of kids. And it works remarkably well. And as a teacher, you also have like features like mute everyone 
besides myself. That yeah, that's got to be useful. <laughs> on a, in a one-on-one meeting, that is not really uh, not really that <laughs> no, important. You, hopefully, you wouldn't need that in a one-on-one meeting. <laughs> But except it, with me, we we did <laughs> we did some some test runs here, and that works like a charm. It really really works. Um, you need a dedicated system for it. So of course, getting one of these big blue button systems means you need a virtual server somewhere. So you need to get that. You need a domain. You need a, an SSL certificate. So you get a secure connection. All the uh, all the details that need to plug all the, all into the stuff that. you love, Chris. Though, isn't it really? I like that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay to admit that. You're amongst friends. It's okay. I, I really like that. Shall we register for a course in how to do that with Chris? I can teach you. No problem. Yeah, I, can, I can help you set that up. Um, next you week. You take cash. Um, no credit card. Next <laughs> week, okay. I, I will. Don't, I don't think anybody takes cash anymore, do they? That's right. <laughs> you, know, you know, it's interesting because that platform seems to be becoming a, a, just a platform that's, I mean, I'm setting this up for photography, but it it begins to become a platform. I've just uh, yesterday received a request from someone who who uh, is is a lawyer and he wants to set up a podcast for his agency uh, for his for his, oh, for his okay. firm. So yeah. um, I have helped companies get their podcasts off the ground in the past. So um, I will have a online meeting with him next week um to discuss uh, some consulting on his podcast setup so it's well that for that sort of thing i mean if you have if you have a really high quality platform that's going to be so much beneficial isn't it you know uh to be able to to set yourself up and talk to people on a platform that you've built you know with with good lighting and good video and good audio that's it's going to be quite impressive i would imagine and i hope so and it's and it's a platform that is even branded like uh, my own brand on there it's not oh, great. uh mm. i can do with it whatever whatever i want it's under my own domain so so then it's just marketing after that getting people aware of it, it that's pretty much what we're doing here that's <laughs> which, much is what right, which is right which explains what we're doing talk about it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it never occurred to me <laughs> uh, so so that is the one thing um that is of course necessary another um part to get this um to look good and to work well is the video component i mean if i look at i'm sitting in front of a 5k imac this is one of my biggest issues that i have with apple the 5k the standard 5k imac has the crappiest webcam that you can imagine (laughs) i mean the, the, the one that you're seeing me through uh here on our little facetime call is not that webcam it is an external webcam because the built-in webcam no, is the worst terrible. possible webcam that you could imagine. So um, the, you, you need some good video to do that. To do a decent job in teaching, you need to be seen. You need them. They, people need to see every nuance in your face and everything. Um, do you do 4, 4K? Uh, no, 10, 1080p is fine. 1080p, 1080p is fine. F- full HD is fine. 4K is overkill. And uh, <laughs> many people don't even have the bandwidth to really uh, take advantage of that. I'm not looking at anyone in specific, but... No, please don't. <laughs> <laughs> but So 1080p uh, HD is totally fine. It's, it's uh, fairly okay in terms of bandwidth. Um, but then, of course, I looked into my cameras because I have, I have a bunch of cameras here that are... Not just webcams, but I have a DSLR, and uh, that DSLR does have outputs. 
right? And uh, right now, if you have a Canon DSLR, there's a beta, a beta for some software that turns that into a webcam using the USB port. So uh, I think either either on the Mac or on Windows, you can now have that uh, feature enabled for many of your DSLRs, so you get a much better quality because you have a better better a bigger sensor um but uh the other way that i've been using is to use the hdmi output of that camera and use a little uh a little dongle that converts that into usb and then that's that's pretty much a webcam it looks like a webcam to the system and um so that is you throw about 120 bucks at it and that's um, fine. If you can get one of these little dongles because they are, since COVID, they have been uh, almost swept off the market because people, all people want their cameras to be able to be webcams now. Um, there's other advances in technology that are also helping to do all these things. One is uh, software camera switching. We're looking at... Uh, I mean, if you if you've ever seen a television studio, they have like eight cameras coming into the the control room, and then there's this guy in front of this big board, and they have buttons to switch between the different cameras, and uh, you can do something on your computer nowadays with a couple of like webcams and an HDMI camera. Um, there's a system called OBS, OBS three let three letters OBS, uh, which is open source again free um and you can set up scenes with like multiple cameras in there and cut between the scenes and have text on the screen like little lower thirds with the names of the people and and there you're like a little television studio built into your computer so that That would be really useful that lower thirds thing would be really useful in a classroom situation Mm. wouldn't it because you could put everybody's names under each one so that you know what big blue button does that automatically (laughs) because the first thing it asks if you if you join a a classroom is what is your name and then it puts it under you oh that's it that's interesting i know uh because i use microsoft teams a lot which is nowhere near the the quality that you're talking about but that does put your name but that's because you have to usually sign in with some kind of account and it just takes yeah. the name off your account it doesn't i know give teams. You a choice. it does yeah. the job but yeah mm. well it, it but it's also it's something it requires that everybody has it doesn't it and right. and it's a paid service and that's not necessary which what you're talking about is available through a web browser that's it? the exactly the right uh, the right point here the uh, the whole big blue button system is web-based so you don't need to install anything you need a chrome browser that's what you need and a camera and it's even pretty good at at cancelling out like echoes and stuff so you in most cases if you're not more than let's say five to six people uh you wouldn't even need a headset you could just so i think i think that's really important and i've experienced this a lot in the last few months uh and because it, it's the fatigue factor yep. uh, of doing many hours with with headphones on with a microphone mm. right in front of you your face that, or no. you know, and things like that and I, i've struggled with that and and actually having a software solution that is good at the echo cancellation is amazing because it means you can have a speaker and you can just sit the speaker on your desk and it's much nicer um it, it, i find it much less fatiguing so if, if you, you're going to do you know a, a, two hours or something like that in a classroom session that kind of thing is really important if you have a, a, qu- a laptop that you won't need a speaker you won't need a microphone it's all it's just there you know 
Here's a question for you, Chris. If the student um, wants to set up a multiple camera setup, for example, one aiming down at a desktop to slide in photos, that's perfectly integrated, right? Oh, they can just so add for- a second device. And uh, so so you have an additional participant in there called uh, Jim's iPhone. And then that's cool. it. Yeah. That's really cool, right. isn't it? So, you know what I mean? So it's not like holding up pictures in front of the camera. You can mm. actually share the screen but have a dedicated, uh, from the student point of view, a you dedicated can do this, yeah. camera for that. Yeah. But you, you could also, if, if, if it, if it, if you wanted even more integrated, um, a session like this would be maybe prepared. Um, I would talk to a student up front, and sure. they and they might have a bunch of pictures to review, and then they would just send those to me, and I could present them on the screen, or I could let them let present them, them on the screen. So, mm. um, yeah, but if, yeah, for portfolio reviews, it's kind of interesting, even you know, e- even last minute things where you oh, yeah. you know you've sent the picture, mm. but you want to talk specifically um, or about. A device. No, no hurdles. All of those things. I think a, a two-camera setup for the student would be. Yeah, that's really, that is really that is beneficial. built in. That is that can be can be done ad hoc without any technical fiddling. That's kind of the nice thing. Doesn't Sounds take good. any time. Um, it also it also lends itself to doing like watch and learn kind of things. You know, um, I don't know how do I do this and that in Affinity Photos. And uh, watching over someone's shoulder can be so valuable there. I've learned a lot by by looking at what others do and then interrupting them and saying, oh, why did you click that button? How did you do that? And just get this immediate feedback. And <laughs> yeah. uh, watching over someone's shoulder in as someone who knows what they're doing. If you watch <laughs> over someone's shoulder, then that is is worth a lot. So that's all yeah. possible with that, yeah. And 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 it allows screen sharing then. So because one of the things I found that is is really interesting because I do all my all my editing on a on my iPad, but what I what I one of the things I found recently again through professional work actually using Microsoft Teams, funnily enough, is if you do a share screen, you can then call up any kind of drawing app on your iPad, and you can use that effectively as a whiteboard. Mm-hmm. You can't interact necessarily so easily um although there are apps that can do that but if you know so it wouldn't even be let's say let's say Emo was one of your students and she was doing some editing on her ipad um you know with a share screen capability you could yeah. you could see what Emo was doing and and, <laughs> and uh you know uh, and learn from Emo. <laughs> And uh, uh, no, probably actually be jumping up and down with rage when you see this. <laughs> no, probably not. Probably not. <laughs> I want to learn about foxgloves personally. But <laughs> oh yeah. Oh god. God, they're everywhere. So okay. yeah, the, I, I think that's that's pretty much what I wanted to to talk about. Uh, the technology has come together. It is really this. It feels like a point of like a culmination point of many things where. Finally, a lot of things are where they need to be, plus the pressure of doing something, thanks to COVID. And in the end, that was the right mixture for me to really sit down for a few weeks and dig into that uh, big time and, and put this together. So Photosensei is the, is the result of that. And now I'm, yeah, I'm slowly starting it up and uh, the things I've done so far over it are looking very good. So, so, so what? What's the call to action for all our listeners? Mm. There, there, Chris. Well, book, then, I mean, book you a workshop the, with me. That's it. Book, book a workshop. <laughs> that sounds like a good call to action, and that's yeah. at sensei.photo? Sensei.photo. We'll put a link to to that in the show notes. 
And thanks for uh, to the three of you for letting me talk about this here. Well, it looks great as you well. Know, it looks great. The no, website's no, lovely. It's, it's good. I, we love these tools too. You know, uh, if I had anything to teach, it would be great. <laughs> yeah, Chris, <laughs> yeah, will you be publishing a calendar of group workshops? Um, th this is in the this is in the back of my mind. Yes, I have the option to do them. Um, so if you go to the FAQ, there's a whole like section of how, how what about multiple people and if you have a camera club or something like that or just you and a couple of friends or you and your significant other um that yeah it's super easy to set up it's there technically there's nothing in the way i've just haven't exposed mm. it on the major website because i kind of wanted to limit it to make it not too confusing in the beginning but yeah group workshops are there we are actually going to use that system here in germany for happy shooting for some group workshops we have tr done two test runs in the past a couple of weeks ago and they worked out really well with like 10 12 people each and um so yeah there will be workshops in a in a and we've we've been playing with formats of course because you can't do a two-day workshop online no one will sit on their bum for two weeks for two days and <laughs> no. in front and staring into a little square screen that no one wants to do that but um so uh, another another challenge was um and i think we've mastered it to find a topic that works in this format and to compress it down to let's say three or four hours so we'd start late in the late in the morning and do like a couple of hours before noon and then have a have a challenge uh, an assignment kind of thing and then people can have do, do an assignment and they can have lunch and then they come back at two o'clock and we do another one or two hours to wrap it up to do q a to do image reviews so there there's there's ways to do that and um again this was being forced into into working on these things and because yeah there are no workshops right now so <laughs> having to work on that uh, has turned out to be really good and this is here necessity to stay necessity is the mother of invention yes and this is I here think. to stay this Indeed. is not a thing that when the moment covid is over i'm going to kick that to the curb no this is going to stay because of course i can reach people without uh, i mean even for people um, that want to want to do a workshop there, they don't have to travel. You know, they they can do this from their home, which is on the one hand, it's nice to get out, but on the other hand, it adds cost, it adds time, it makes it complicates things. Uh, travel. There's also people things. who maybe can't get out, or you know, and you're bringing a whole world to them, or people who can't afford to get out because mm. uh, the travel would be restrictive to them and the hotels and stuff. So uh, being able to uh, it makes it more accessible to people. Mm. Of course, the next step would be fusing real-world uh, real workshops with online workshops so that people can actually participate virtually. You know, I um, am looking... Uh, I am actually looking into some VR, AR-based things right now because, um, again, with an Oculus Quest, you have a VR headset that is under $500 and uh, fully self-contained, no computer required, no, it's it's wireless, it doesn't need a cable hanging off of it, nothing. And uh, there are now uh, classroom systems, um, they're beginning to come out with classroom kind systems where you will be in this virtual environment with other people you you see your avatars you you would you would scan your own face with a with an iphone or with a sure, with an android yeah. phone up front and then you would have your avatar with your face and others could see you and interact with you and show you things and that's it, it's 
it's early days, but it is already kind of uh, beginning mm -hmm. to be interesting. The problem is no one has these things yet. Or not enough That's people. Right. So mm. there yeah, is a, right. there, there's no market there at this point. But I am clearly uh, looking into those because… Yeah, I, I, I am too. I'm working with a group in Finland who are developing a cloud-based GPU processing for VR specifically on 5G. So that's going to be very, very exciting just in terms of what you've just presented. We've been talking yeah. about that. The personal avatars, real-world VR, AR… Glasses, uh, 5G interactivity, and processing in the cloud is very exciting. And the current situation forces everyone to speed up the development. To uh, there's, there's much more urgency in these things now. So I think we will see a lot more to come out within the next one or two years. A lot is happening right now. Anyway... We have come to the point in the show where we know we want to look into the picks of the week and um, I'll get mine out of the way. It is that little dongle that converts my HDMI camera out into USB to become a webcam. It's the Elgato CamLink 4K. Looks like a it looks like a big uh, USB memory stick. That's pretty much what it does. Um and it is uh, it's hard to get right now, but we'll put a link in the show notes if everyone, anyone wants to get it. <laughs> just just go back to that website every day and check if they have new stuff in stock. And I, I got lucky to get one, so should be possible to get one if you really have a need to do that. Otherwise, if you have a webcam, I think you're all set. That was mine. Imar, what is yours? Mine is um, the foxglove. Digital is a flower, a wild flower that grows um, it's native here. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's universal, is it? I know um, it is. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, get them here. Um, yep. They're everywhere and I just love them. I love how sculptural the flower is. I've been watching them kind of open and they're fabulous. The colour and then all the kind of um, associations that go along with them, kind of the fairy, fairy's fingers and all the kind of folk names for them and stuff. They just, there's a lot of kind of narrative to them and symbolism to them as well that I love. And they're, every time this year, of time of year, I get, I do get obsessed with them. But there seems to be more than ever. So They are, they're also poisonous, aren't they? Oh yeah, completely poisonous, but also used <laughs> also now. used in heart medication. So they're yes. medicinal slash poisonous. So um, yeah, awesome. So definitely want to look at, but not eat. Look, them. but don't touch. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Next week, mushrooms from Imar. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Jeremiah. Uh, speaking about mushrooms, uh, what's your? Well, what's I, your I thought pick? my my pick this week um, it would would be oriented towards education. And so I, I chose a piece of machined hardware by a company called Abdi Camera. Uh, they make um, beautiful um, holders for, black, for uh, negatives, 35, 120, or 4x5. And I've been using the 4x5 to uh, scan using my, you know, mirrorless camera on a on a uh, light box with outstanding quality very very flat the the key is it keeps the negatives extremely flat 
And um, I thought, in terms of education, I always thought, uh, we've talked about this before, that the friction is very important. I think that one of the great things, benefits, would be to start with a large format, 4x5 camera, where everything is upside down. You understand how light moves through lenses. You understand how sensitized uh, plastic effectively gets developed and whatnot. So you use a complete analog process, as difficult as that may seem at the beginning, to create a negative. Once you have the negative, then you can digitize it at home. doesn't cost a huge amount of money. And then take that into Lightroom or whatever you're using and then work the... the um, digital end of it. And if you can kind of go through a workflow like that, when you orient yourself either to analog or to digital, I think you'll be so much more experienced in understanding how photography works writ large. So Abdicam camera. Interesting, because uh, there's another project along those lines that's just about to come out, which is the Pixelator, just a scanning frame <laughs> for different uh, sizes. Um, more on the plasticky side, but um, it's been on Kickstarter, and it, uh, it's an yeah, interesting Lomo story to watch. Too. Yeah, it's an interesting yeah. story to watch. But it, uh, it is the guy who does the guy called Hamish, who's a friend, a friend of mine, of yours, actually. Yes. Um, <laughs> and uh, I tell you what, um, uh, all I could say is that although it's been a little while, it'll be worth waiting for because Hamish is a real perfectionist. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, <laughs> but he has had his troubles. But uh, we're, we're getting anyway. May so, I just say, Adrian, you you stole my next week's. Oh, did <laughs> I? Oh. <laughs> Okay, Adrian, present to us Jeremiah's next week's pick of the week. <laughs> well, by the power of uh, future casting telepathy. <laughs> uh, my pick of this, the week this week is actually uh, what is the start of a series of articles on dpreview.com. Link in the show notes. Uh, this is a, uh, a series on computational photography. Uh, and so far, as I say, just the first one out. And it's written in a nice informal way, but it's got some some good uh, some good technical know-how, but written in fairly plain English uh, that, that pretty much everybody can understand. Uh, so, uh, yeah, make, make, makes a, a good few minutes read, uh, some good little diagrams in it as well. And uh, I think it's going to be a three or four parts um, series, yeah. something like that. So. Jeremiah, once they're all done. As well, had you? Yes, I read it. I thought it was fantastic. And I thought this is a once the four are out and we've kind of, you know, put that out as best we can, it would be a great show to do on computational photography. Yeah, so I think it's very around it a bit. That's what this is. In a very accessible way. And that's where this show comes from, computational photography. So it does indeed, yeah. It's good yeah. to revisit that again and see what has changed in the last year, let's say. Lots. Okie dokie. I think that's it. I think we've uh, reached the end of this episode, The Future of Photo Education. Um, of course, we'll have show notes with all the links um, that we talked about. Uh, you can contact us on our website uh, on twitter thefutureofphotography.com on twitter it's tfop now on instagram it's tfop now and um, yeah just check us out and uh, we'll be back in a week from now until then everyone take care bye 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 you've been listening to the future of photography A production by Adrian Stock and Chris Marquardt. 
Subscribe to the show wherever you get your other podcasts. Find the show notes and more information at thefutureofphotography.com. Thank you.